All right, 59 to 10. You guys don't want to hear about it. I don't really want to talk about the game itself. I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit, but uh, quite frankly, I've watched it three times now and <laughs> don't need to really delve into it. We're, we're here to talk about what the hell is wrong with the program right now. Uh, how do you even start trying to fix what's wrong with the program? And, and Willie Taggart's comments today during his Monday press conference and whether you guys like the way that, that resonated, whether Chris and I like that. So uh, that's going to be today's episode of the Knowles 24-7 podcast. This is Brendan Sinone, Chris Nee joining me as always. Uh, we'll, we'll do some recruiting talk an episode later this week, I think. But, but right now, this is going to be about FSU's loss to Clemson and more so spinning it forward after that. So five-star reviews, guys, please, on iTunes. If you like us, even if you don't like us, five-star reviews. Anything less than that is unacceptable in my mind. <laughs> All right, so, Chris, let's get going on this. The state of the program right now, um, what's wrong? They're mediocre. They have major issues on offense. They have issues on defense, and they have some quitters and cancers, which are basically the same thing, in the locker room. And when the going gets tough with this program, guys don't know how to handle it. There's a healthy amount of guys that are being relied upon on the field who lead their spots at the depth chart, who don't have the uh, desire or the belief within themselves or the desire to represent this program in the correct manner when it gets tough. And, yeah, that showed. It showed on the field. Guys throwing punches, getting themselves kicked out, guys quitting on the field. You know, you get down 14 nothing. you roll over, play dead, you come out of the locker room, give up an easy touchdown, game over. Yeah, the, the effort was problematic. Uh, the unwillingness to fight back other than throwing punches, which isn't good either. Uh, to me, that's a form of quitting. Mm-hmm. That's problematic. The fact that this coaching staff seemed to think – They've had multiple miscalculations this season. And I don't want to overreact. I don't like reacting too much to one game, good or bad, but when you're talking about 59-10 to 10, and that's the biggest blowout at home in, in school history, tied for the worst loss in program history, I mean, that was 1973 was the last time they lost by 49 points. Clemson um, let off the gas in the end and played horrible for and, the first quarter. And it was Clemson, so it's a rival. It's divisional rival, divisional, recruiting rival, recruiting with recruits there. Uh, so there's a lot of problems to me that that this game exemplifies. Uh, that really kind of highlights what is wrong with the program right now. And I don't know if there's a quick fix. Uh, to me, though, the most disturbing part of all this, and, and there's a lot to unwrap here, Chris. But to me, the fact that Willie Taggart, you know, after the game, talked about guys quitting, which I, I think is fair, and I think that was good to talk about accountability. He brought it about unprompted. He was yep. not asked about guys quitting. He said guys quit. He brought it up. He said this team is quote-unquote, or some guys are mentally weak, that they show signs of being mentally weak. I, I thought those were the correct notes to hit after the game. Uh, but here we are on Monday. Um, he talked about the guys who were ejected for throwing punches. That's Nyquan Murray and uh, Zaquandre White. Uh, and they'll be suspended for the first half against NC State. He didn't really name guys who quit. He didn't when I asked him about guys who he thought they could build around, other than praising Marvin Wilson previously when I asked about who is doing things the right way to build around, he didn't name names. I thought he needed to hit higher notes uh, to to send messages to people publicly, and I don't think that happened today. And to me, I think that's, that's concerning. Yeah, speaking of setting the standard, which is something that Willie reiterated time and time again today, that there's a standard to this program. We have to ask for that to be met on a daily basis for it to occur on Saturday afternoons. If you're going to talk about a standard, 
glorify those who are holding themselves Correct. up to the standard. That's Marvin what I was Wilson to hear. was talked. A question was asked in follow up of others who are of that sort of cloth, and he didn't name them. Don't do that. It's time to name names, point fingers, jab the guys who need to be jabbed, and praise the guys who need to be praised. If guys are doing the right thing within this program, give them some praise. Put it upon their shoulders and say, this is the kind of setting the standard individual that we're looking for. He said it about Marvin Wilson, but there are others. And then on the flip side of that, guys who are the quitters and guys who are not helping you win ball games, and guys who aren't going to make you a better program in 2019, 2020, and forward – Single them out. Mm-hmm. Don't protect everybody. Hey. I, I, I haven't understood throughout the season the unwillingness to, at times, be critical of individual players on this team for their play, for their actions, for the way they conduct themselves. Make it known who needs to be held accountable. Yeah, because if you're talking about changing a culture, which Willie is, and, and that's been a drum that's been banged since he's arrived is changing the culture and, and it needs to be changed. And he knows that. And I think that at least is encouraging. Um, and we've but, seen signs but of it. We have, we've seen progress in some, in some areas, but, but they regress. Happens. But, they, but they regress yeah. and it's not the first time they've regressed. Uh, and we've seen them then recover. We saw Virginia tech and Syracuse, those games happen. And that's just them not looking disciplined or organized. Uh, but at least they tried hard in games subsequently. Uh, and so at least you had you had that, but but then again you, you regress. Uh, Talked about DeAndre Francois against Miami, for example, a regression to bad habits. Yeah, not uh, climbing the ladder, not stepping up in the pocket, not seeing the blitz coming, things of that sort. That he did speak on that with Francois after the game, mm-hmm. but that's about the only time this year we've seen him jab Francois publicly for his play. And I would like to see more of it. And I understand your your, your kind of reputation is as a players coach. That that's kind of what has gotten you to. Uh, this point as a head coach to, to be a, at a top 10 program in, in the country uh, at the same time you're talking about culture needing to shift things um i i'm of the belief that if if you see an issue and this is me this is someone who's extremely anxious all the time but i've gotten as i've gotten older if i know that i have to address something and deal with it i just do it right away yeah and that alleviates Don't so let it much linger. Exactly, and that's that's crisis management 101, Chris, is, is don't delay until tomorrow what can be done today or needs to be done today. The message that was sent today, we're talking Monday right after his press conference, I didn't get the feeling that, you know, half a game for Nyquan Murray and Sequential Wright for throwing punches. Some people think that's showing signs of fight. That's not. That's that's quitting on your team, essentially. That's Especially when you're doing out. it on the sideline and yeah. not even in the game in White's case. Yep. Uh, it's not heat of the moment. It's just pure stupidity. Yeah, it is. It's undisciplined. For a guy like White, this isn't his first And undisciplined suspension. is what this football team is. You don't commit as many penalties week in, week out as they do, and especially on Saturday without being undisciplined. And then and still it, disciplined by action. And if you're trying, with that in mind, if you're trying to instill discipline, do you think half a game suspension really sends a message? Yeah, you're talking about holding players and coaches accountable. Well, you're still employing a guy on special teams whose unit has been trashed for nine games. And Oh, I'm sorry, only eight games. But it will be for the nine, too, because that's one that they've been consistent at is being poor on that part of the ball. And you're you're, you're allowing players to walk. You're going to put Nyquan Murray in the game in the second half this week after he acted like he did against Clemson. Come on, that guy's not helping you long term. That's not what's going to turn around this program. That's not culture building. Run Treshawn Harrison's ass or Keyshawn Helton's ass out there and see what they can do. Give them a chance. 
Yeah. Especially I, if they're doing it in practice. Because you know what? And they are. They were guys you recruited to be part of your team, of your system, that fit what you want to do, who you believe from digging on them have the kind of character and other standards that you want in your players. Give them the chance. Allow them to have the spotlight. Take the spotlight off the guy who is clearly not going to be that guy for you. I've I've heard consistently that those two guys do bring it in practice routinely. And uh, that's Treshawn Harrison and Keyshawn Hilton, both freshman wide receivers. They both do it. And then you see it in the games. And there's yeah. going to be rookie screw-ups like Harrison had uh, last week against Wake Forest, but there's going to be great moments too. But beyond just the athletic skills and, and all that stuff that you need to be successful, go watch Keyshawn Helton and what he does after he gets the catch, not on his 73-yard touchdown reception, but the 17- or 16-yard one he had, for his first one. He breaks four tackles. He immediately gets upfield. He does what you ask him to do, and he's hustling and he's trying. If- on, on that long touchdown to Helton, you know who's hustling downfield to try Trey to block Sean him? Harrison to yep. give him a lead block. You know who's blocking a guy all the way down to the to end zone? Terry? Yep. You can watch the video and tell who wants it, who wants to be out there, who wants to be a part of this program, and who's going to be helpful in the turnaround. And I'm sorry, but there are some guys that aren't, that I don't – not everyone can be saved. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like Willie thinks he can save everybody. We saw that with Francois in the offseason. We're seeing it with Nyquan Murray only getting a half. Some guys don't need to be saved. Not the program needs to be saved, and it needs to be saved by the guys that are going to help it get out of the current mediocre position it's firmly in, and that's going to be through recruiting and guys that are currently on your roster who are willing to put it on the line when they walk out there on Saturday. There are currently guys who are walking out there on Saturday just putting on the uniform and thinking they're owed something. Nah, man, you go out there, you play ball. My biggest criticism, I agree, my biggest criticism of Willie to date, other than some in-game management that I'm, I, I think we, is pretty weak. We knew that about. coming in the door. Um I think that Willie has made a lot of the right decisions, a lot of good hires, maybe not great ones in hindsight, but enough good ones, and some glaring bad ones. I think he's made a lot of good personnel decisions. I think he's evaluated well in the first recruiting class. Maybe we get into the class of 2018 at the end of this year, but that's a looking like a nice, solid initial first class for him. And, and there's he, pieces from 17 that he adopted that I think that fit are good. His so, and he's and he you know he's identified Marvin Wilson right away as someone to build yeah. around. He it, so there's there's positives here, but my main criticism he's he's someone whose reputation is based on making changes. He he salvaged his career at USF by revamping his entire offense around his personnel on uh, making drastic changes and overhauls. He's done it to coaches before. I think he's been slow to change this year with personnel. Yeah. I think he's been slow to change philosophies or things that aren't working correctly for him, and I think that he's basically been between deciding whether he wants to have a rebuild completely or he wants to try to salvage the season. And at this point, especially with, with the four games you have coming up, three of them ranked, you're going to be an underdog probably in all of them. Uh, I think he has to make a decision at this point of, of what he wants his team to be. And the fact that we're now, you know, three quarters of the way into the season and and he's still kind of, you know, is he committed to DeAndre Francois? Is he not committed to DeAndre Francois? Is he going with seniors like Nooney and some talented guys uh, that maybe haven't quite had the light bulb moment consistently yet? That's my concern is, is make your – Make up your mind of what this team is, where it needs to be, and do it now because you're just wasting a year uh, by by having a foot on each side. And you don't have to be all or nothing. It doesn't have to be Francois' bench he's done. Mm-hmm. It can be Blackman plays and Francois plays. The bench is a great motivator, and I'm not solely talking about the quarterback situation. Yeah, Cam Akers not hitting a hole? Let's see if Anthony Grant can. Yeah. Naquan Murray throwing punches? Let's see how Harrison and Helen do. Mike Arnold can't you know, do what he's asked to do every week in practice? Let's put Baby on out there and, and see how he takes and it. All cre- and some are going to fail. Some are going to succeed. But you know what? Currently, 
you're feeling a lot. So really, what's the big difference? Is there a huge margin of success difference from the current roster you're rolling out there? And if you've rolled out you know, a healthy amount of younger guys that are going to be what your future is about, who are you will, you're willing to play now because you have put them on the field, you have played them, but you're not giving them significant snaps. Why is Trayshawn Harrison playing so little? Well, I mean, it's absurd to me. When other receivers, veteran receivers, aren't doing a good job, Keith Gavin drops way too many balls. Not one Murray. We all know what the deal is with Nyquan. Let's not act like we don't. Tamorian Terry, you know, he plays pretty hard. He plays pretty good. He earns his playing time. The other two guys, are they really earning their playing time? You mentioned that have to be. You mentioned that it doesn't have to be an all, you know, all or nothing type of deal. And in the case of DeAndre Francois, I'm not sure I agree with that. I think if you go away from him, you have to be prepared. And we've talked about this previously. If you do. Um, go away from him, then you got to be prepared to move on, then which is fine. Then he is one of those individuals you describe as mentally weak, and mm-hmm. the mentally weak are not going to make you stronger. I agree. I agree with that part. Um, but that same thing with, with – I mean, they have moved on from Mike Arnold at times. They've benched him a couple times. Yeah. Now, two games in a row, he's he's gone on the bench. Took half the season to get Johnson. that point, though, and it's not and like that's you played what I mean by, half of the season. That's what I mean by it's taking too long to make some of these – these choices and I understand they're handicapped to a certain extent by the by the limitations of, of the roster that was inherited um and you're learning on the fly of who you have and it's all a learning process but the miscalculations of the offensive line and what you could do with that in the beginning of the year not having cam makers running anywhere near what you expect cam makers to be your rushing attack a, is just dreadfully bad too yeah and it's not solely acres that correct that whole operation is awful having deandre francois you made the decision as your quarterback i don't blame them for making that decision based on the information they had at the time they hadn't seen him run the offense you know outside of some practices and he has the best arm talent they went with a guy with the most talent and, and I, experience and experience correct uh and in hindsight you know that was the wrong. I, I don't blame them for making the wrong decision or at least, at least looks like it i blame them for we're game eight now Going into nine, uh, and you haven't tried anything different yet. Yep. And, you, and, and I think that's that's an issue to me. That's concerning that that's something that resonates beyond just this year. Are you going to be able to make the right personnel changes timely in the future? Challenge your team through practice and through games by asking who wants to do this? Who wants to be that guy? Who wants to go beyond special teams and make us better on that unit, put more talent on that unit? Tamori and Terry was out there doing it late in the game. He was willing to play the mm-hmm. part. Ask guys, tell guys to step up. Ask them to step up. Demand it of them. Yeah, yeah. There's fine. nothing wrong with it. Some will elevate. Some will learn something about themselves, and some will literally, you know, get smaller and go to the back of the room and avoid it. And you're gonna know who is who. You're gonna draw a line in the sand and know who the heck's going to help you long term and who's not and be ready to play for the long term. And that's healthy, I think, to do that, to draw that line in the sand and yep. find out who you can and can't trust. Um, and, and again, that's what Willie made me think he was going to do on Saturday. And better late than never was kind of my, my idea. But like, at least you're making that, that decision because you got to rip off the Band-Aid, man. Yep. I, quoted, I quoted, I read some of Al Dunlap's book because I met with him before the announcement and Got quotes for it, and it was embargoed. Other publications did the same thing uh, before they announced the $20 million uh, donation. And, and for those of you who don't know who Al Dunlap is, he's known as Chainsaw, Chainsaw Al. Al. <laughs> and, and he made his, his fortune, and that fortune now partially trickles down to Florida State. Uh, he made it by basically being a mercenary and going from business to business and gutting it and making it profitable. And in, in the span of doing that was relentless in who he 
laid off and would do it in in bunches and obviously that that makes him polarizing because he was successful to an extent but he was also soulless yeah um and i guess my point was in from the book you know as far as building not a culture but but a but a business and if you want to talk about college football as a business a lot of people do uh, when you come into a culture that's toxic and you want to try to change things uh, it's not apples to apples i understand but but his point was you got to do that in the first year. You have 12 months to completely reseed everything, to get rid of the dead weight, to enhance the people who you like and move them up in the organization. You have one year to do it. Willie's on what month nine right now, um, and and I just I get concerned, I guess, and I guess he's still in that first year, but I get concerned that that what happens over time, and this is what Dunlap wrote, is after you know three years, if you have a, a long plan to basically revamp something, uh, that negative toxic culture seeps into what you're doing, the, the one that was already existing. And, and we can all agree that what, what Willie inherited was, was bad and negative and rotting, Jimbo Fisher, and he has to change that. But to do it, I think you have to do it much more decisively than what we've seen right now. Yeah. What you saw on Saturday, we saw Louisville 2016, BC 2017. BC 2017 to the date. It was an exact year to the day. It wasn't some new occurrence or shocking development. It was something that we've seen plenty of times, and you got to correct it at some point. Ultimately, to correct the situation, actions are going to speak louder than words. I was underwhelmed by what Willie said today with you on Saturday when the emotion was raw. I thought he did a better job of kind of handling in that moment. We will see this coming Saturday and in the next four weeks how he handles it. Uh, it he may not want to sell guys out in a press conference setting, but what he runs out on their, on the field on Saturday and how he handles his depth chart and how he handles any kind of youth movement or changing of the guard at certain positions, that's going to tell the true story of what he intends to do and what he's doing, whether he's playing for the short term, trying to win games in the immediate see with veterans, or if he's going for what's going to be the rebuild. I think that's a, a fair point, Chris. It's worth worth mentioning that even though he didn't want to name names today, that doesn't mean that you don't see the changes. Uh, you don't see some type of depth chart change or or any anything like that in the coming days. Um, again, I think we both are on the same page, so we would like for him to at least make an example, positive or negative, out of someone. I think that would have been healthy. But maybe he decides that internally is the best way to do it. But, but then taking both that information and combining it with uh, half-game suspensions for the guys, and I, I think we were both thinking it had to be at least one. If not, you just move on completely from, from someone that you can't trust, uh, which I, I don't think is the worst, worst thing in the world. Uh, I guess I am skeptical what the changes are going to be or if those are changes that are that are more than just like a a slap on the wrist oh you don't get to play the first quarter or something like that or you miss the first series for a guy who he deemed as as loafing yeah and one thing to remove ourselves a little bit from the Taggart part of this conversation is and I asked coach today about it and I was told something yesterday that led me to the question how does the locker room do at managing itself is that starting to become part of the culture because no matter what a coach can say and do anything Ultimately, players holding players accountable is the strongest force in a locker room. And Coach Taggart today said that he did see some of that after the game. And there were guys that he saw doing it that he had hoped were doing it in August or September, but they are at least now doing it. And I was told yesterday that that certainly happened. There were guys that basically quit quit treating their teammates like their homeboys and started treating them like their teammates and guys that they're trying to win football games with. And that there has to be a separation. You can be best of friends. 
But when Saturday rolls around, your teammates and there's an objective and a goal, and if you're holding up your end of the bargain but your best friend is not, you need to bring it up to your best friend. And I was told that happened to some degree. So that may be one of the lone positives that came out of a dreadful Saturday. Who do we have starting that quarterback against NC State? James Blackman or DeAndre Francois? I'm going with Francois until I see something different. Okay. I mean, I know we hear he's banged up. Um, beat up. Beat up, yeah. That's how he Quote termed unquote. it today and considered day-to-day. But I suspect we'll hear that he practiced you know, tomorrow and that he'll practice on the day after. I'm sure Blackman's going to get some first-team reps to be prepared if need be. But until we see differently, I'm sticking with Francois. I, I respect that logic to it. I'm usually a proponent of until I see it. Uh, I, I think we're going to see James Blackman, though. We, um, we've been here before, though, a few weeks ago where yep. there were a lot of rumblings and talk that Blackman may get the green light, and no, didn't yeah. happen. I, the difference, though, is if DeAndre Francois, there, that was a bye week, uh, the, the ability to make a change uh, was kind of limited. If, if they want to use injuries as, as the reason for making the change, yeah. Uh, or at least experimenting with something different. That was kind of taken away with the bye week. Uh, now, if you're saying that DeAndre Francois, you know, Willie said he fell on his head <laughs> or hit his head or something like that, it had to hit the ground uh, against against Clemson. You're, if you're talking about potential concussion issue, uh, which the word concussion hasn't been used, but when you say hit your head, what else is it? Are we led to believe? Uh, and saying he's still quote unquote beat up. Uh, you know, Francois is not practicing Monday or or if he's not sorry if he's not practicing Tuesday. Then all of a sudden you're talking about you know two practices to to get in a game plan uh, against a defensive line that's not great but but they are top 25 nationally in, in sacks per game. Yeah, and a team that can make you one dimensional because they're good against the run. Yeah, but they are very susceptible to the pass. I mean they've game. given up 90 points I think the last two weeks combined. Yeah. So this isn't a great NC State team by any means, but this isn't a great Florida State team either by any means. It's a very middling mediocre team. But uh, I'm at the point now of, of putting James Blackman. I've kind of been in that mindset since post-Miami game. You know what this offense is with DeAndre Francois. You know what the highs are. You know what he can do against a Wake Forest when he has time in the pocket, and that's great. Um, but you also see what happens when he gets pressured, when he gets hit a lot, and that's not all his fault. But but you have to make do with what you have. I think I thought we saw in a qualifier, this was James Blackman against a second-slash-third team Clemson defense. Well, but Clemson he, brought 72 players, and they played every <laughs> they damn played every one damn of them. One of them. They um, emptied the bench like Duke in the final minute. <laughs> All the scrappy gym rats are getting their reps at the end of the game. But um, you know, Blackman gets pressure. He splits two defenders, keeps his eyes upfield, throws the ball to Helton, makes a clean throw, finds a wide-open guy, and you score a touchdown. Again, I understand what the situation was, um, but that's something that you haven't seen a whole heck of a lot of uh, this year from, from QB1. I also think doing things like that, playing a Blackman, or just making moves. See the emotional response of your players, both those on the field and those that have been put on the bench. See how they respond to it. You're going to learn a lot about a guy if you put them in a different situation than they've encountered during the season. And I would like to see the bench get even even deeper for, for that reason. Uh, because we've seen you know, we've seen Jacquez Patrick make a couple starts in a row ahead of Cam Akers as a way to motivate Cam Akers, and it helped. I mean, it, it did help a little bit. But, again, when you revert back to bad habits, when, when things aren't going well, man, I'd... When you have a run outside and you cut it in and you turn a very long run into a two-yard run in the first quarter. Yeah, what did he finish with, seven yard rushing yards? Yeah, Cam? something like that on 11 carries. I mean... Let's be honest here. We all knew Clemson was going to beat FSU. That yep. was none of a shock. And truthfully, I think most of us thought they would beat them by easily more than a touchdown and up to two or three touchdowns. 
None of that's a shock. That's not what this is about. This is about the fact that FSU rolled over and played dead. Yep. And that's the issue. And some of the issues FSU have, as we've spoken on many a time, are long-term problems. They're not going to be fixed. Some are short-term situations that you can try to resolve or make better. And a lot of it is recruiting. But if the product on the field is that poor as it was Saturday, no matter how good the brand of FSU is, recruiting will get difficult. And that's you wrote that after the game, that Willie Taggart's sales pitch becomes a little bit more difficult with that loss. Again, a loss is fine. I think you go into that game understanding that, but you had to at least show a pulse. And it's the fact you, that it, that didn't happen, I thought was was concerning. It's when you, as a program, become viewed as mediocre mm-hmm. that it really hurts your recruiting capability. Yep. And you might be able to recruit this year because guys will get early PT, new coach. There are sales jobs that can be done. There are things that kids will understand, and recruits view it very differently. Every guy we followed up with talked about oh potential of early playing time, or I understand they're in a transition. That's very true. That can work long term. It can't. Yeah, you can't sell transition for more than a year. Yeah. So you do have that right now, and that's maybe the loss isn't crippling because of that. Good news, I know that's what Willie Tiger and the staff are pitching to players, yeah. and the fact they're all leaving there absorbing that sales pitch, at least it, Willie Tiger was not brought in as a great X and O game manager. He was brought in as someone who could identify talent, who can secure talent. And had a system that had been successful. It, exactly, and it can allow the talent to thrive just by by making a scheme that, that fits around yeah. them uh, and a culture that fits around them. And that's it, what, that is what, what brought him to Florida State. So as long as he's still recruiting at a fairly high level, great. As soon as you see that drop off, uh, to me, uh, alarms start going off. Yeah, and I, again, going back to the point of earlier in the pod where we talked about play more young guys, it's a selling point. To recruits. Absolutely. Oh, freshman came in, he played. He didn't even have to redshirt. He got to play. He played in six, seven games. He had four or five touchdowns as a receiver. Those things matter. And I, and I think that becomes, in the final four games of the regular season here, part of – I think they start – my gut, Chris, is that they're going to start using that to feed into their sales pitch even more than they already are. I think you see Asante Samuel start or get significant reps moving forward. Um, I think you'll see – well, he already is getting significant reps. I think you'll see him basically as a, as a sub-starter, if not a full-time starter in the next four games here. James Blackman's a sophomore. I understand he's not part of this past class. Again, I wouldn't be surprised if that's part of your youth movement to sell on recruits to people who like James Blackman. If that's your, if that's your future, I think you start seeing some shifts towards building for the future. I'm trying to think if there's other guys. I think Robert Cooper, he's got a concussion right now when he comes back. More reps for him. Continue, continue. Maybe even start some some of these guys because you want to put in the ones who were, who are playing hard, who are showing that they're deserving of more playing. You want to reward them, and I think that's something that this staff is then going to pitch to, twenty nineteen. Yep. I think the twenty eighteen class is going to be pretty good though. Like you I mean think nineteen. No, twenty nineteen. I think twenty. No, I'm talking the guys about guys that are currently on. Campus. I, I'm talking. Yes, I'm yeah, talking about sorry. the class. That's okay. I'm talking about my fault. Class of twenty eighteen. Is a nice, solid foundation. Yeah, uh, especially for the short window they had to put together exactly. and dealing with an early signing period where so many guys came off the board. Like, no I think doubt. We, we've seen that at this point, so you know. And they say that. The, yeah. The staff says that. They like those guys. The guys they were able to research in depth and bring in here, for the most part, they think are very good foundational players. And there's guys in the 17 class they very much feel that way about. And the goal for 19 and especially 20 is to full bore Get their type of dude. Now, and a Jaden would be type of yep. human being who can play football at a high level, who is committed to the game, who wants to play at a high level and mm-hmm. hard for FSU. They want those kind of guys. That means difference that's, makers. That's the yep. standard that he talked about today. The issue is that if you don't have any results on the field to reflect that, how much time do you truly have to build that? 
Yeah, you have... He's going to get... I, I'm of the opinion, no matter what, no matter how bad they are next year, no matter how bad they finish this year, he is here for three years, no matter what. Mm-hmm. One, FSU doesn't have a ton of money to throw around to start running coaches out of town. And two, you brought him in here to rebuild, even if he didn't talk about it as a rebuild. You brought him in here to rebuild the program and his image. You give a guy time to do that. Three to four years is a standard for that. I think FSU patience is kind of tough to come by for some. So I think three is a certainty and four is a maybe. So you're in this. But I think the coaching staff needs to understand that you've got those three to four years. Mm -hmm. So it's time to play kind of the long game more than they have. I agree. I agree that that the long game, to me, seems like the best play at this point. This is coming off, obviously, off of a – a 49-point loss, so it's easy to, to go ahead and say, okay, what you have isn't working right now. Willie Taggart's point on his press conference was, you know, we have some quote-unquote bad eggs. We have to make sure those bad eggs don't spoil and ruin everything. Throw them out. But largely, uh, he thinks that they have most guys moving in the right direction. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's true, but at the same time, I think what you and I want to see, and then as we wrap up the podcast here, if you have the bad eggs, like you said, throw, throw them out. I, I'm not... Don't try to save him. Don't try to fix him. You're you're eight games into a season. If that guy's made it abundantly clear he is that, that is what he is. Yep. Yep. And I know there's politics and you have to do things the right way and you don't want to piss off. You're building your new program. Scott Frost has run off 30 freaking guys in Nebraska. Do they suck? Yeah, they suck. But you know what? He did it because he's trying to build for the future. Yep. And I'm not trying to say Willie and Scott or anything. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying that when new coaches come in, guys get run. You gotta be this willing is, to do this it. This is the time to do it because if you start running your own guys, you know, a year or two from now, well, then that's showing that you're you've made missteps yeah, beyond get, just evaluations. Get it where you can bring in a full twenty-five, if not a few more, with early enrollees. Get it where you can bring in your guys. Flip the roster to your image and what you believe it should be. Don't hesitate. Have conviction in what you believe about a player and live in that conviction. But if it's a guy who's not going to help you win long term. He's not worth it in the short term. I think that's a good way to end the podcast. You have a just a poetic way about you sometimes to, to stick the landing. Guys, thank you for listening. I know, yeah, as has been the case too often this year, not the not the most cheery uh, podcast, but hopefully, kind of at least provide some some insights into the direction of the program or things that Chris and I, you know, covering this this thing daily, think it needs to go. So, uh, we'll have a recruiting podcast later in the week. I'll have Newberg with us. Maybe Chris will join. We'll see. It, it's not great that you're in the best place out of everyone. <laughs> everyone fine. covering this team. No, you're, I know you're fine. That's the issue. I'm gloomy. I have my yeah, we'll sweatshirt over my head like a Re- little emo Recruiting is probably a good idea for either Wednesday or Thursday. I'm yep. traveling Friday, hoping to go see Sam Howell play Friday, and then obviously covering NC State on Saturday. So Wednesday, Thursday will be what we aim for. We'll figure out what Josh can do when it doesn't conflict with the big three roll-up because we know what comes first for him stick the landing <laughs>